Herbs Organic Kitchen, The Bake Shop, and Peaberry's Coffees and Teas. Thanks so much for feeding our donors who are waiting for your call. So feel free to call in at 1-800-439-5732. Coming up is Free Speech Radio after this brief message. Women of Color Resource Center will honor four extraordinary women, including activist Angela Davis, at the 7th Annual Sisters of Fire Awards on Sunday, October 30th, 11 a.m. at 300 Frank Ogawa Plaza in Oakland City Center. There will be a special tribute to WCRC's predecessor organization, the Third World Women's Alliance. Program includes keynote speaker, Assemblywoman Karen Bass, cultural performances, and brunch. The Sisters of Fire Awards Ceremony is an annual benefit for the Women of Color Resource Center. For more information, call 510-444-2700 or buy tickets at www.coloredgirls.org. And you're listening to 94.1 KPFA, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. Stay with us. It's time now for Free Speech Radio News. It's 3 o'clock. This is Free Speech Radio News. It's Friday, October 21, 2005. From KPFK in Los Angeles, I'm Aura Pogado. On today's newscast, we'll take a look at Supreme Court nominee Harriet Myers. Voters in Liberia are preparing for a runoff election to choose their new president. And the California Air Resources Board considers a three-year delay in standards enforcement. These stories and more after these headlines. I'm Shannon Young with the headlines for Free Speech Radio News. An investigative report presented to the United Nations Security Council accuses Syrian and Lebanese officials of involvement in the assassination of former Lebanese Prime Minister and billionaire businessman Rafi Kariri. Haider Izbi reports from the United Nations. Both Syria and Lebanon have strongly denied the allegations made in the report. Faisal Maqdad, the Syrian ambassador, said the report is based on political motives. He also said it does not deal with the actual facts related to the crime. In his words, the report is a big lie. It's not a credible report. John Bolton, the U.S. ambassador, on the other hand, called the report hard-hitting and said it requires a follow-up from the Security Council. The U.N. investigator said the inquiry is not complete and that it needs to be continued. They will be back to the Security Council with another report in December. For Free Speech Radio News, I'm Heather Rizvi at the United Nations. Former U.S. House Majority Leader Tom DeLay appeared in court today as part of a conspiracy case that accuses him of money laundering. In Houston, Renee Feltz reports the trial will be postponed as DeLay seeks a new judge. DeLay spent four minutes before Judge Bob Perkins in the Travis County courtroom. His attorney asked the judge to recuse himself because he'd made donations to progressive group MoveOn.org. He noted the group was selling T-shirts with DeLay's mugshot. MoveOn says they are not selling the shirts. Jake Bernstein was in the courtroom reporting for Progressive Magazine, the Texas Observer. Now, the judge did give a small contribution to MoveOn, but said that uh, he had given it uh, in 
2004, uh, leading up to the presidential nomination, and he'd given it uh, to try to help John Kerry. Judge Perkins will allow a separate judge to hear the recusal motion. Delay's attorney also requested a change of venue from the Democratic-leaning Travis County, a move Bernstein finds ironic. You know, Delay and his lawyers have been agitating for a quick trial, but I don't see how this gets them a quick trial, all these procedural motions. Pundits in Washington, D.C. say DeLay will have a difficult time reclaiming his leadership position if his trial fails to wind up before January, when some Republicans will press for an election to replace him. From KPFT in Houston, I'm Renee Feltz for Free Speech Radio News. After killing at least 13 people in Jamaica and Haiti, Hurricane Wilma is bearing down on Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula and is slowly creeping towards Cuba and South Florida. From WMNF in Tampa, Andrew Stelzer reports. With 145 mile-per-hour winds, Wilma is expected to produce 10 to 20 inches of rain in Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula and up to 40 inches in Cuba's mountainous regions. Cuba has already evacuated almost 400,000 people from its westernmost provinces. Forecasters say landfall somewhere on Florida's southwest coast isn't likely until sometime Monday afternoon. By then, it may be as low as a Category 2. The state of Florida has declared a state of emergency, as have many local counties. This gives the authority to each county's administrator to make decisions about resources and money. In coastal areas like Port Charlotte, hundreds of Floridians who were affected by hurricanes in 2004 still have FEMA-issued tarps instead of roofs on their homes. Several counties have begun evacuating coastal areas or have plans to by Saturday. Saturday. For FSRN from WMNF Radio in Tampa, I'm Andrew Stelzer. The residents of Forest Park Apartments in New Orleans are celebrating a victory today after the owners of the public housing complex agreed to stop evictions and to maintain existing leasing arrangements. Jenka Soderberg has the story from New Orleans. Today's victory comes after the residents led a week-long campaign to pressure the apartment's owners to stop illegal evictions of public housing residents. The campaign included a resident takeover of the management office, as well as solidarity actions at the property owners' offices in Boston and Washington, D.C. Many New Orleans residents are dismayed at the chaos and inaction of the federal housing authorities. Their New Orleans offices have been closed since Hurricane Katrina hit. Cynthia Wiggins is the manager of a local public housing project. HUD is trying to manage this out of Washington, D.C., and it can't happen. This thing has to be managed here in the city. And so it's ludicrous from our perspective that we have people in Washington, D.C. that think they know what's happening here, but haven't been here to see the destruction. The emergency freeze on evictions declared after the flood will end on October 25th. Jenka Soderberg, Free Speech Radio News, New Orleans. Contract workers from the Buenos Aires subway system clashed with police last night after shutting down all five of the city's subway lines. Marie Tragona has more from Buenos Aires. Some 500 subway janitors and security guards from three temporary employment agencies went on strike to be included in the collective labor contract between formal employees and Metrovias, the private company that runs the Buenos Aires subway system. After the labor ministry refused to meet with the janitors and security guards yesterday, the workers blocked the subway line. Police then shot tear gas and fired water cannons inside the subway tunnels lined with high-voltage electric cables. Protesting workers responded by discharging fire extinguishers, throwing rocks, and building barricades with ladders. Dissident subway delegates from an independent union commission were threatening to shut down the five subway lines today to pressure for the inclusion of the temporary workers in the collective labor contract. 
The contract workers met early today with the labor ministry and the Metrovias company to negotiate a solution as subway service returned to normal. For Free Speech Radio News, I'm Marie Tragona in Buenos Aires. And I'm Shannon Young for Free Speech Radio News. And we're going to bring you the rest of the Free Speech Radio newscast at its new time of 3.30. Right now, we want to bring you something special. A speech delivered by writer, educator, and activist Jonathan Kozel at the Martin Luther King Middle School on September 29th in Berkeley. Kozel's new book is The Shame of the Nation, The Restoration of Apartheid Schooling in America. We'll be offering a recording of the speech you're about to hear, along with copies of that book, which is as thank you gifts to those of you who donate to KPFA during this show. If you have questions, you can call our pledge room at 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Jonathan Kozel. And we'll try to get that queued up for you in just a second. Again, we're going to be hearing from writer, educator, and activist Jonathan Kozel. He's talking about his new book, The Shame of the Nation, The Restoration of Apartheid Schooling in America. Sorry, folks, having some equipment failures here. Just a reminder, we will be offering Jonathan Kozel's book, and we will be offering a recording of the speech you're hopefully about to hear, uh, given at the Martin Luther King Jr. Middle School in Berkeley, California. That's on September 29th of you. this year. number to call with your pledges is 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We'll be offering that speech for a pledge of $60 or more. And we'll be offering the book, Shame of the Nation, for a pledge of $125 or more. If you want the combo pack, we can offer you both for $170. We go now to the speech, Jonathan Kozel. Us room. And to do the real thing. And I'll tell you, I sometimes think that every arrogant politician in this nation, Mr. Bush especially, who talks so condescendingly about the so-called failings of our classroom teachers, ought to be obliged to come into an inner city classroom once a year and teach the class to find out what it's like, because it's all too easy to forget. Mr. Bush accuses teachers especially in our urban schools, of harboring low expectations for our children. He says, strive for excellence. You know, as though we all sort of had an inborn secret predilection for mediocrity. Like we, we became teachers because we thought, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful to achieve mediocrity, you know. <laughs> but we needed this highly articulate president to get us on the right road. Um, and then he insults us, those of us who don't go along with his bizarre agenda, which we'll return to later. You know, he says, you know, if our kids score poorly on exams, it's we who are guilty of soft bigotry. He keeps saying that. How does he say it? The, the soft bigotry of low expectations. It's like once he finds a phrase he can pronounce... He keeps repeating it. But, you know, what an amazing flight of demagoguery. What nerve, what chutzpah for a president who's never lifted a little finger to address the resurgent hypersegregation of our public schools and the increasing inequality of inner city children. What audacity to charge hardworking and unselfish teachers of the very crime of which he himself is the very best example. Um, 
The, the president, president says testing is the answer. And, you know, in many inner city schools, as a result, high stakes testing now starts in first grade. In New York, it starts in third grade. That's what the testing law requires, the president's law. But in many districts, it starts earlier. In one California district, they start high stakes testing in September of kindergarten year. Bubble tests. You know, I, we're, we're the elementary school teachers here. Yeah, I don't mean nice, uh, a useful diagnostic test. I mean a bubble test. And these little kindergartens, this, this is their first month in school. They don't, most of them don't know that pages go from left to right, you know. Some don't know how to hold a pencil. They pee in their pants. Some of these, some of the schools where they are starting high-stakes tests in kindergarten, they've not only abolished recess so they could have more time to drill the kids for the test, but they've abolished nap time. Nap time. If, if at least we gave these little kids an opportunity for terrific pre-K education, they might have a better chance to pass these tests in the first few years of elementary school. Unfortunately, in most of the nation, Berkeley may be one of the exceptions, this is not the case. I just, we launched this book in Washington last week with a woman I hope many of you know and love, Marion Wright Edelman. We launched the book with Marion, and she told me, she told me that uh, since Mr. Bush came to office, uh, Head Start uh, has been under-budgeted to the degree where now, for the first time in a long, long while, uh, more than half the eligible children, that's poor children in America, are excluded from Head Start. And it's much worse than that in most of the deeply hyper-segregated neighborhoods I visit. Typically, you know how you really find out? Don't, don't ask anyone in Washington, because they barely know. You certainly don't ask anyone in the White House. They have no idea what's going on out here in the real world, but ask a kindergarten teacher. That's how you find out. Ask her. How many of these little ones had some real good pre-K for a year or two or more before they came to you? And typically in the poorest inner city neighborhoods, whether it's in L.A. or Chicago or, or New York, uh, the teacher says to me, maybe a third of them at most got something like half a day, maybe, for one year. Often they'll say just a handful, maybe a quarter at most. Meanwhile, my wealthy white friends in New York City, for example, and, and you know, just so you won't wonder, I, I, I do still know rich people. Um, <laughs> some of them, like, were my Harvard classmates. And, um, and for some reason... They're always nervous with me. They think I want to redistribute their wealth, which, which I do. But they, they still like me, and they tell me, you know, they tell me what they do. And you know what they do typically with their kids? They put them in these marvelous, typically full-day, rich developmental pre-K programs starting at the age of two or two and a half. That's... Typical among the privileged in New York City and most other big cities in the country. And in, in New York, the, the top pre-Ks 
costs $22,000 a year. Can you imagine that? $22,000. And these aren't drill and grill academies of any sort. These are lovely places. These are places where it's fun to be a child, where it's fun to be an infant, where the children learn pre-literacy skills, but nobody drills it into them, you know, Mr. Bush wants to do the head start. These are places where it's relaxed. and These are nice places. And... Um, the best ones in New York, the most exclusive ones, are called the Baby Ivies because they're considered the first step to the Ivy League. You know, not even a hint of a pretense of a meritocracy here, right? And then three years into public school, by third grade, they take high-stakes exams. In New York, you can't be promoted if you don't pass it. That high-stakes exam is also used to determine who gets into gifted and talented, Okay. Who do you think does best on those tests? The little ones who, since the age of two and two and a half, have been sitting in these wonderful Montessori programs with, with warm, attentive, maternal teachers and aides um, reading to them and opening their world up to Very Hungry Caterpillar and those other beautiful books. Or the ones who are sitting at home all those years, being tended maybe by an older sibling because their mother is forced to work for welfare, rake leaves in New York, that's what they make them do, uh, and watching TV all day or maybe staring out into the street. Who do you think turns out to be gifted and talented? And who doesn't? And who gets held back? Yet I'd like to say to you tonight, I think it's especially outrageous to impose so many high-stakes tests on children in the early grades of public school if we have first denied them any opportunity for preschool. There's something, there's something deeply hypocritical in a society that holds a child, you know, she's still a baby, seven years old, eight years old, It holds this little seven-year-old girl accountable. That's the big word now, right? Accountable for her performance on a standardized exam, but does not hold the president and Congress accountable for robbing her of what they gave their own kids six years early. Listen, the, the vulnerable children that I write about in this book, these little ones who get no pre-K education, um, nor more than minimal health care. The ones I know have very high rates of pediatric asthma also, you know. These little ones who have so much against them get cheated by Mr. Bush, denied pre-K, and then enter public school only to be bludgeoned and humiliated by these, these standardized exams. These children have done nothing wrong. They are too small to harm us, they're too sweet to hate us, and they're too innocent to fear us. They might later on when they learn that this country doesn't like them very much, but for now they still have this sweetness, this innocence. Their only sin, if such it is, is to be born poor and of the wrong color at a bitterly cold moment in our nation's history. Who dreamed up this mania of testing. Who conceived of this obsessive practice of 
weighing these little lambs before we feed them. Friends, in terms of elemental racial justice in the public schools, we stand right now at one of the harshest and most reactionary moments in our nation's history. It's worse than anything I've seen in my adult life. Segregation of black and Latino children has returned to public education with a vengeance. Now, you may not see it here in Berkeley, though. Uh, I'm sure you see internal segregation. But uh, I've just spent five years visiting 60 public schools across the country. If you took a photo of the typical class I visit, a color photo, you would find it indistinguishable from those faded photographs of classrooms in Mississippi and Alabama 50 years ago. I never see white children, never see white kids in these schools. Um, the proportion of black children now attending segregated schools in America is at its highest level since the death of Dr. King, since 1968, because the Supreme Court has ripped the guts out of the Brown decision during these years. The four most segregated states for both black and Latino children are New York, which comes first, Michigan, Illinois, and California. Jonathan, Jonathan Kozel speaking on the reemergence of segregation in American education, what he calls apartheid schooling. That's a speech he gave last month in Berkeley part of a new book he's released called Shame of the Nation, The Restoration of Apartheid Schooling in America, where he visits 60 public schools, mostly inner city schools, documents that the segregation of black children has reverted to a level statistically that the nation has not seen since 1968, that proto-military forms of discipline that were developed in prison are now being applied to black and Latino school children in our inner cities. And that high-stakes testing is being applied in a punitive manner that is destroying the actual quality of education those students receive. We brought you this special because Kozels is one of the many voices we are able to bring you on KPFA and one of the many voices we bring you that you don't find anywhere else in the media. And three times a year, we come to you during our fun drives to ask you to support that work so that we can keep this gem of the airwaves alive and vital and thriving. The number to call with your support is 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We're offering a recording of the speech you were just hearing, all 70 minutes of it. If you call with a pledge of $60 or more, we're also offering a copy of Kozel's new book. With a pledge of $125 or more, you can get The Shame of the Nation, The Restoration of Apartheid Schooling in America. You get it by calling now at 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We have all our lines open right now, and we need to hear from you that you support the work we do here at KPFA, that you value the information you get from outlets like Free Speech Radio News, which we'll be getting back to in just a few minutes, that you value the voices we bring you, like Jonathan Kozel, the dissidents in the run-up to the war in Iraq, the critics of the Bush administration's domestic policies. Call us now with your support at 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Thank you for that call. Just a reminder, we are offering the CD of the 
speech you were just listening to. That's Jonathan Kozel in Berkeley with a pledge of $60 or more. And we're offering his new book, Shame of the Nation, with a pledge of $125 or more. You get them by going to your phone and calling our pledge room at 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. I'm joined by Amelia Gonzalez, Director of our Public Affairs Department here at KPFA. Hi, Amelia. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Um, you know, I, I thought we, we thought a lot about bringing you Jonathan Kozel, and the reason why I felt strongly about this is because he's talking about something that we don't normally talk about. What happens with our young children? You know, wh- how does this whole uh, system of inequity get started? And it starts very young. You know, it's not about exit exams in high schools. It's about what happens when we don't allow our children to thrive when they're so very young. And that's something that is crucial when we think about the information that KPFA brings you. You know, when we talk about bringing you the news, when we talk about bringing you the arts, when we talk about stuff that, you know, we're, we're talking about a time that we might not even have that, that there might not be uh, a pool of knowledge in our public schools that allows for, for our youth to thrive and to be able to un- understand what's going on in the world. 1-800-439-5732 is a number for you to call and say, you know what, I believe in the knowledge, I believe in redistributing wealth, and I think it's crucial when we talk about our public schools. Go to the phones now, pledge your support for information for education, 1-800-439-5732 or 848-5732. And with your $60 pledge, you get a speech by Jonathan Kozel that was done not too long ago, last month on September 23rd here at MLK Middle School. And it was a wonderful success. He got together with Alice Waters to talk about feeding our children as well you know it's it's just not about one issue these issues overlap so much and this is why we need to be able to have some place like kpfa where we raise the the complexity of the issues how do they overlap we're not talking about just looking at one thing we're talking about looking about how it affects us all 1-800-439-5732 or 848 5732. I'm so happy to see that there are four people on the lines, but we do need more folks. We need more folks to, you know, make sure that there is a stake in our education. You know, we've got this election coming up. You know, we need to know what the stakes are. 1-800-439-5732, 848-5732. You can get the book as well, The Shame of the Nation, for $125. It's amazing what um, the reviews that he's gotten. You know, this is a man who who has dedicated himself to making sure he's our conscience. Really, he's our conscience about what is going on with the most vulnerable people in our society. 1-800-439-5732 or 848-5732. You know, Amelia, what, what the book documents, what may surprise many of our listeners who lived through and were active in the civil rights movement in this country is that we're not making progress. We're sliding backwards. Our schools are being resegregated, and they're being resegregated without formal Jim Crow laws. This is incredibly important, not just for people who have children they're concerned about. This is important for anyone who cares about the civil fabric of this nation, because what he is documenting is the creation of an underclass in this country. The CD is available for $60. The book is 
available for a pledge of $125 or more, and a pledge of any amount helps keep this radio station on the air so we can keep bringing you these voices. Call us at 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We have five lines open now and just two minutes left in this plug. Please, we need to know that you care about the work we do here. We need to know it matters to you that we get people out to events like this Jonathan Kozel speech. We record them, we bring them up, back, we chop them up, and we broadcast them to you and everyone else in your community on these public airwaves. 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. The Jonathan Kozel CD is available for $60. The book for $125. You can get both. For a little bit of a discount, $170, but it starts with you going to your phone. 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Think about what it's worth to you to have KPFA here, because that is what we are asking you to do. We are asking you to join the family of 28,000 member subscribers who pool their money to keep KPFA alive, vibrant, and independent, to keep us from having large advertisers pulling our strings or corporate underwriters telling us, no, maybe you shouldn't broadcast that or we'll pull our money. To keep us from having our strings pulled by large foundations and grant makers, the reason KPFA is what it is is because of you. But it starts with you going to your phone now at 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Again, we're offering the Jonathan Kozel CD. That's a recording of his speech in Berkeley on September 29th. And we're offering his new book, Shame of the Nation, The Restoration of Apartheid Schooling in America. The number to call, 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. You know, something that I was not able to play, uh, a very interesting point that uh, Jonathan makes is when he is invited to these dinners where where there are people that are paying these outrageous amounts for tuition, and yet they challenge his um, his line of thinking in terms of what do you, what do you believe? You, you think we should throw money at 